The presence of the Lord is in this place. This is a day that the Lord has appointed to us. This is a significant day. This is a significant day for you. It's a significant day for us as a house. The Lord is launching something. The Lord is launching something today. I want you to be seated. When I came in to the, the office today to pray, I didn't know what the Lord had to say, to be honest with you. I had a busy, busy, busy week. Lots of things Lord had assigned for me to deal with. And so I said, Lord, I don't know what you have to say. And the Lord says, I got something to tell you. So get out a pen. I got and get out a pen and I began to write as fast as I could. But this is a word to this house. Sometimes the Lord gives words for individuals in the house. And necessarily it might be a word for you. It may not be a word for you depending upon your circumstance, where you're at. Sometimes that's the way it happens. We are a what we call a prophetic house. We believe in what scripture says in the last days, I pour out my spirit and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Um, so when people say, why are you all prophesying? I'm all, I think I'm obeying what the Lord said. Acts chapter two. And all, yeah, it does say that. But anyway, that's another story. That's a whole nother sermon. So anyway, but today the Lord had a word for the house. That means all of us as one, all of us as one. So I want you to listen closely because it's very significant. And actually, just feel the presence of the Lord. I just feel the presence of the Lord. Amos 9, 13 through 15. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the one who gathers the harvest. And the one who treads the grape shall overtake him who sows the seed. When the mountains will drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall melt. That is everything that was once barren will overflow with streams of blessing. Also, I shall bring back the exiles of my people, Israel, and they will rebuild the deserted and ruined cities and inhabit them. They will also plant vineyards and drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. I will also plant them on their land and they shall never again be uprooted from their land, which I have given them, says the Lord. The Lord has brought us through a season this house through a season of excavation in order that the foundation would be solid. He has permeated the soil with his fire, his refining presence. He has searched the underbelly, the crawl space of this house. He has inspected this house. He has tested us and he has humbled us. He has purified us by testing our hearts, testing our hearts that our words would line up with our attitudes and actions, both public and private. He has tested leadership. He has excavated the things that do not belong. Those things that have attempted to divide the soil so that there was insecurity, questioning, and instability. He has excavated and removed division, and he has made us one. We being many are one body in Christ. 
oneness, unity, shalom. He has done this inspection and excavation because he is preparing this house to build it. Build it internally, muscle Christians, and externally, harvest of souls, of the bruised, broken, confused, forsaken, lost, and prodigal. He has loved us with an everlasting love, and he has tried us and tested us as proof and evidence of this love. We have called out to him that his glory would be manifested through us as a house. And he has responded to us through the forging of us. Like a blacksmith molds steel through the fire and plunges it into the waters so that it comes forth in strength. So that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. The fire of his spirit has purified us. And the waters of his spirit have strengthened us and empowered us. Today the Lord marks a new season. He spoke to my heart while I was in Antigua that a new season was upon us. He used Antigua, the land of Antigua. No waters. He said, I am releasing my supernatural waters to you and through you. The waters will be pure in heart and in spirit. The waters will flow in unity with me. All who have the waters flow will have unity with me, my leadership, and with one another. I have inspected you. I have done this. It is my hand. It is my preparation. It's my prerequisite so that I might build this house up for my glory, that you will always remain obedient and humble of heart for I oppose the proud yes even the spiritually proud and give grace to the humble my grace is my gifts and the bridge to my presence it is by my grace you have received every good and perfect gift I have just begun to build this house you will be established for generations for my glory for my renown and for my reputation both locally and globally behold the old thing has passed away and the new has come the wine of my holy spirit will flow the prodigals will return in humility to be established in my house the fruit will be abundant and you will not be uprooted by the enemy or the world you will see with your own eyes what I can do and you will marvel at it thus saith the Lord over this house I want you to stand this is a word over this house this is a word over us we say today June 9th 2019 today is a new season over this house it is a new season over you it's a new season over us the waters are going to flow in greater measure great are you Lord great are you Lord great are you Lord you know one of the things when uh the Lord speaks through his word to us when the Lord gives us a prophetic utterance when the Lord stirs something in our hearts we have a, a an opportunity to respond and that's what I just want to do this morning I just really feel like as Pastor Lynn was up here sharing what the Lord laid on her heart that there is a new season for us and if that's you I just want you to raise your hand to the Lord like you you know I, I think my grandkids when I I go to the candy store they don't just sit like this when I get home I mean, they're like, I come in that door and they raise their hands. Lord, you see 
everything before your sons and daughters. And we know that, God, you are a good, good, good God. And I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, whatever that new thing is for us, we just open ourselves to you, Lord. Lord, let the old things pass away. Behold, all things shall become new. Lord, I pray that as the scripture says, that our latter days will be greater than our former days. That, God, we would be open to what you're doing in a new way, Lord. Not that the the old is bad, but, God, that's yesterday. And we want you to be today and tomorrow. We want you to change our future, God. I want you, Lord, to speak to our minds, those of us that are in business, that, God, you would give us insights and understanding in business that change the course of our business. I pray that, God, you would bless those that are in leadership, that, God, the positions that they have would be open to your voice to speak to them. God, you just don't speak to us about things that are happening in church. You speak to us about things that are happening in our lives. And God, those that are in business, I feel really strongly this morning, the Lord wants to release a new season in your business. And I don't care if it's advertising, marketing, computer, engineering, if you're a tradesperson, I don't care if you're working in a store, God wants to open up something new to you. And Lord, I just pray that blessing upon everyone that's hearing my voice right now. I pray that, God, we may not even know what's happening. We may be clueless, but, Lord, your word tells us you know the beginning from the end of our days. And, Lord, I pray that we would just walk, and if we're out of alignment, that you will bring us back into alignment with you. That, God, we would hear your voice, and we would act upon it. And, Lord, I pray that we would filter everything that we do, Lord, not just in our Christian life, not just in our Sunday morning life, but God, in our weekly life, we would filter it through the preciousness of your word. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. 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 Morgan Hill and Gilroy, this area is known for the vineyards that are established here. And the Lord says there's new wine flowing, that this place, this area will be known for the new wine the wine of the spirit that's going to flow through the streets. It's going to flow through the businesses. It's going to flow through the schools. It's going to flow through the colleges. It's going to flow. It's going to flow. And that new wine is going to flow through you. That new wine is going to flow through the Holy Spirit filled people of God. It's time for that wine, that new wine to flow. Do not be afraid of the new wine, for Jesus' first miracle was the new wine. In the land of Canaan, he established and said, I am bringing the new wine. I am bringing the new wine. I am bringing the new wine. And the Lord says it's time for the new wine. The new wine is going to flow. We receive, Lord, this word. We receive, we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves, Lord. We humble ourselves before you. Some of you may say, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I hear you and I feel you, but I don't understand you. But I want you to know that things that are spiritual are perceived by your spirit, not by your intellect. And the Lord says, I'm going to show you for your life what it means, what it looks like. 
It's not just up here in the, the clouds. It's going to be practical things I'm going to have you do. There's practical things I'm going to have you change. There's words I'm going to put into your mouth. I'm going to open up your mouth. Some of you go, I'm worried about that. And the Lord says, haven't I told you? Haven't I written in my word? that you don't need to worry about because when the moment comes I am going to fill your mouth you do not need to worry about it. I will fill your mouth just depend on me it's time Lord we receive this Father we receive this over your house Lord I just feel that open heaven that open heaven has always been there You, when you tore the veil but sometimes, Lord, we can get put things that can block it on our end. And, Lord, those things, through your excavation, you have ripped away. You have tore off some things we didn't know about. We didn't know. But you did it, Lord. Some things you said, you know what, needs to change. And we had to obey in that way. Doesn't matter which. There's an open heaven over this house, Lord. And we want to perceive it. Just like Jacob. Just like Jacob said, I didn't know that the presence of the Lord was around me. This is Bethel, the house of God. Lord, that we would perceive that your presence is all around us right now. That we would walk in your presence, Lord. In your name, amen. How many of you want to be transformed? You know, that's what the presence of the Lord does to our lives. Amen. Hey, we're glad you're here this morning. Thank you for being here this weekend. Uh, next uh, weekend is Father's Day, and I have been to five different Bevmores uh, buying Dad's root beer. And uh, I... Yeah, yeah, let me clarify that. I walked into one, and the guy, the manager, I've only been to Bevmore in Gilroy twice, and I walked in on uh, this week, and the guy goes, hey, I know you. You're the pastor for Morgan Hill, and everyone in the store is looking at me. So uh, so when you, the board sees the credit card receipt and all these things at Bevmo, it's for, it's, honestly, it's for dads. I can show you the receipts. So, uh, but we're going to have uh, ice cold dad's root beer, cream soda, orange soda. Uh, there's all, di- we even got diet for those of you that are on a diet. So we'll keep you caffeinated uh, with something else. But on, on Father's Day, you'll have some decaf, uh, cold, ice cold root beer for whatever it is for you, okay? Hey, we're in the middle of a series right now, and we're doing a series on who switched the price tags. If you're uh, here or you haven't been here for a while, uh, for the first time, or you haven't been for a while, we're looking at some of the things that our culture addresses to us and how we as believers need to go back to the Word of God and have the Word of God be the matrix that we put everything through. You know, one of the things that uh, my uh, my wife and I, we talked about this last week is... um, how do we help people walk in the fullness of what the Scripture says about them? You see, when I came to faith, I was radically transformed. I was one of those kids that uh, my mom couldn't figure out how to deal with me and couldn't address some of the issues I had. But yet, when I came to faith, it really rocked her world, and she wanted me to get off that religious bandwagon. And, uh, you know, the very thing that I needed to transform me was the very thing that my family didn't appreciate me experiencing until later they came to faith. And so I want to talk to you this morning about 
the power of people or the power of, of, of the Holy Spirit, the power of Pentecost. Today, if you're not aware, today is the day in the church calendar globally that the church has uh, uh, set aside as Pentecost Sunday. It is the time where the, in the New Testament uh, where Jesus had imparted the Holy Spirit, had promised the Holy Spirit to his disciples and to the apostles and the followers in the first century. And it was on the day of Pentecost that the Spirit of God came down. And one of the things that I really want to encourage us to be is people who are influenced more by the Spirit than we are by our culture. You know, there, there's two streams flowing. And depending on which stream you get in, you could find yourself in a real mess. And I, I, I love, you know, our background, if you don't know, our background is higher education. We spent 20 years in higher education. We both have earned doctoral degrees, and, and we appreciate education. But even in education, I was talking to someone the other day, and I said, actually, some of the people that were the most messed up were some of the people with the, the, the most letters behind their names. Yeah. And one of the things I found is that study doesn't do it all. You need more than that. And one of the things that I want you to be is I want you to be people who love God's Word and allow the Word of God to transform you. And so this morning when I was thinking about uh, our, our, our topic this morning, I was thinking this last couple weeks about, you know, who are the people that influence us? You see, we live in a culture that is influenced by so many things. We have marketing, advertising, media. We have bloggers. We have social, inf- social media experts. They, you know, because they're online, they're experts, right? I mean, I mean, if you have a page online, doesn't that make you an expert? You know, just because you put letters in front of or behind your name, doesn't that, doesn't that make you an expert? You know, we have influencers. What are influencers? Influencers are people online that get people to follow them so that they, a lot of times they're getting benefits from that. You know, they're, they're getting free things or companies are giving them things. They're actually paid sponsors and we're following them. Uh, you know, we follow uh, athletes, we follow politicians, we follow all of these quote unquote experts. And a lot of times they're, they're talking about a subject matter that isn't even in their wheelhouse of expertise. And what we follow them. So one of the things that I always tell people is uh, you always need to filter things as a believer through what the Word says. Now, I'm a firm believer that all truth is God's truth. Uh, There's actually a book out by Arthur Hollis. He he was a lecturer that I I heard years ago. And uh, in his book, he talks about how if truth is truth, it doesn't matter where it comes from. But one of the things we have to do is realize that Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So we filter anything that we allow into our lives through the preciousness of God's word. That's the litmus test on everything we do. That's the matrix that everything has to fall under. So this morning I want to talk to you about uh, Pentecost Sunday and what it is. And, and the biblical background is really interesting because if you study Scripture, one of the things that is so beautiful about Scripture is there's a cohesion from the Old to the New Testament. And, and, and that's because what the, the, the book of Hebrews tells us, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing ever changes in who Christ is. Now, we change, culture changes, I mean, uh, those of you that, uh, the, you know, that stop drinking caffeine or specifically coffee, because it was bad. You know there's a study that just came out this week that said you could drink up to 25 cups of coffee a day and it won't put uh, fats in your, 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 your arteries, you know? 
You, you may have a nervous breakdown or you may have a, a heart attack from all the adrenaline you're dealing with. But, you know, so we have a study that says this is bad. And then we have another study that says this is good. And, you know, a lot of times when we're, we're living in a world that's bombarding us with information and advertising and marketing and all that, we need to do what the Lord says. Be still and know that I am God. And take, a, like the psalmist says, uh, to take a Selah moment where we just reflect on the goodness of what the Word says and how it comes into our life. So the apostles, it's interesting because the apostles and the followers of Jesus, they were Christians. They were, they were disciples of Jesus, and they followed Jesus, and they were with him for three years, and they saw the miracles he did. They saw all the beautiful things he taught. They sat and listened to the Sermon on the Mount. They were there when he multiplied the bread. They were there at Cana when he, he uh, transformed water into wine. They saw him raise Lazarus and, uh, Lazarus, and they saw all of these things that he did, and they watched his life. And Scripture says, the Apostle Paul tells us that we should watch our life and doctrine because that's what is really the, the, the encompassment of who we are. And so in order for us to have a good doctrine, we have to know what the Word of God says. So it's interesting because the, 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 the Gospel of Luke in chapter 24, verse 49, there's a passage of Scripture that Jesus is talking uh, to the disciples, and he says this, I'm going to send you what the Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on, on high. And that's an interesting passage in the, in the Gospel of Luke. Luke was a doctor. He's a medical doctor. He was the most uh, 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 disciplined. He and the Apostle Paul were the two most disciplined scholars in the New Testament era. And so what we see is we see the Apostle Luke writing down and talking to us, and he says something. He says a word there that's interesting. I had it underlined and italicized there. It's the word stay. It's an interesting word in the original language. The original language basically... Uh, it's it's, a, it's a, a, a form of a word that literally means stay, but when you actually look at it in the context of Scripture and where it's, it's used elsewhere in the Bible, it basically is a word that says sit down, settle in, hover, dwell, continue, stay put, or those of you that are old-time church people, how many of you ever heard the word tarry? You know? If you don't know what Terry is, it's not that guy or the gal. It's actually to just sit and to Terry. We used to have things for the youth. I remember when I was working with youth, we used to have watch night services. How many of you remember those? You know, you stay up all, you can't stay up at all during the year, but you have to wait over between the new year and, and, and the old year and the new year because, you know, the church used to say Jesus is coming back on the first of the year. And so you wanted to make sure you're starting your year off in the, in the presence of the Lord because if he showed up and you weren't there, you've been left behind, you know. And so we, we use these, these terms, but the concept is that we should set, settle in. And why does Jesus say this to his disciples? You see, there's a, a, a concept in Scripture and a concept in our life where we create room for capacity. When you and I say, when we're dedicated to something enough, that we say, I, I want something to come in and to change my life. I want something in my life in such a way that I'm willing to wait upon the Lord. There's something that happens in us when we have that time. And the disciples, they were staying in Jerusalem. They were told to stay in Jerusalem and get rid of all of the other distractions in your life. I don't know about you, but one of the reasons we take our, our two-week vacation every year and we go someplace and we unplug is because, I, I, how many of you are bombarded with stuff? 
I mean, your phone rings. It's that if it's, if it's not ringing, it's vibrating. If it's not vibrating, it's, it's chiming. It's doing something. Or we get phone calls, or we get emails, or we get this. We are bombarded with information demanding our attention. And the Lord's trying to get your attention, and he's trying to say, hey, I want to speak blessing into your life. I want to speak my favor into your life. I want to give you something good, because one of the, the characteristics of the Lord is that everything, every gift God gives you will be good. Every gift God gives you is to take you to a new dimension of understanding who he is. Every gift that God has given in the scripture and in your life and in my life should take us into a deeper understanding. And one of the ways we get that is we have to just de declutter, you know? I know I'm OCD. I'm comfortable with it. I've been doing it for 50, 59 years, you know. Um, my wife goes away. I clean the house. I, she comes home. All the towels are stacked by color. All the cans in the, ref, in the pantry are stacked because I can't sleep when she's away, you know. So I stay up all night and just do stuff, you know. I, I organize the, the garage. Or one of our neighbor's kids come over to use an air pump because he was, he was uh, uh, riding his bike and his tire was flat. I'm like, hey, dude, come on over. I'll fill it up. And he walks in my garage. He goes, I have never seen a garage disorganized, you know? And I'm thinking, it's a mess, you know? So, but your, your OCD, your, your order is something that helps you. And God wants to bring order into your life. And one of the ways we do that is we, we clarify who we're following and what we're listening to. You know, it's interesting. There was a, a story that happened uh, that started out this last century in the 1900s. Uh, there was a Bible school in Topeka, Kansas, and in Topeka, Kansas, there was a, a, a pastor who had a Bible school called Bethel Bible College in Topeka, Kansas. His name was Charles Parham. And in December of 1900, he was teaching a class at his school, and he, he was a, a, a Methodist pastor, and he wanted to have his students learn Scripture. The only textbooks they used in the, in the Bible college was the Bible. And so over the Christmas holiday, they had finished their courses, and he told his students, he said, I, I, over Christmas, I want you to read the Bible, and while you're reading the Bible, I want you to ask the Lord to give you any gifts that he has for you. So his students went, and they spent days, several days in prayer and worship, and on, on, on New Year's Eve, they got together, and they were praying, and they were praying in, in, in a watch night service, and between that evening and the next morning, the Spirit of God fell upon those people, and the first recorded instance of someone being filled with the Holy Spirit in, the, in, the, in that century, last century, was a woman by the name of Agnes Osmond. And as Agnes Osmond was a person who received the Spirit, and immediately there was a transformation in her life. And I tell you, one of the things the Spirit of God wants to do is this. He doesn't want to make you weird. People who are weird when they're filled with the Spirit were weird before they were filled with the Spirit. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, how many of you know weird, Spirit-filled people? And some of you are thinking, yeah, Pastor, I know you. Uh, but, you know, weird people just are weird. The Holy Spirit doesn't wake, make you weird. He takes you into a new dimension of understanding of him. Now, there are certain people that you may classify as weird, but I tell you what, when you're hard up for someone to pray for you, they're the weird people you go to because they have a connection with the Lord. And sometimes we don't understand the, 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 the way they communicate with the Lord, but we know they do. And so when you're looking at this, it's interesting because... There, there is a, a history, and I could take you, I've taught classes on the, on the, in the undergrad and the master's and the doctoral level of looking at the history of the outpouring of the Spirit. This is not something new. 
How many of you ever heard of the Moravians? Anyone ever heard of the Moravian movement? It was a, a missions movement in the 1700s. There was a, a, a Count Zinzendorf. How would you like to have a name like this? I had to write it down because I, I can't remember the guy's whole name. Nicholas Ludwig Rischgraf von Zinzendorf und Potendorf. I mean, how'd you like to send your kid to kindergarten? Robin, how'd you like to have a kid in your class that learn that, you know? Count Zinzendorf was a, uh, a religious uh, leader in, in Germany. He started the Moravian Church, and one of the things that they did, they were an incredible mission-sending church. Actually, while we were in the holiday in Antigua, he, the, a lot of the churches around us were Moravian, and they sent people out all over the world, and they were people that were just sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and they were signs and wonders, and incredible things happen. And Scott and Esther, I don't know if your, your kids have ever been to uh, his castle in, in Germany, but if you go to Hernhut, Germany, there is his former castle is now a training center for youth with a mission in Germany. So they're, they're in the same castle that this 17th century uh, revolutionary for the kingdom of God set up his ministry and sent missionaries all over the world. And so if you look at this, it's, it's amazing because God's plan has never changed. If you, if you think this is just something that's a New Testament event, go back to the book of Numbers. There's a story in Numbers chapter 11. I don't have any of the text up here. You could read the whole chapter. But basically what happened in Numbers 11 was Moses had 70 of his leaders and they were praying and he said, I want you all to come into the tabernacle and I want you to come into the tabernacle and we're going to pray. And while they were praying, they started prophesying. And what is prophecy? Prophecy is just declaring the goodness of God through a verbal communication, and it's, it's glorifying God through a prophetic word, and it always, listen, listen, this is important. Prophecy always need to be, needs to be in alignment with Scripture. And we have a prophetic word. It's called the Bible. Now, we also believe there's a prophetic culture, and people like what Pastor Lynn shared this morning could be a prophetic word, but that is always secondary to the Word of God. We never put prophecy above the Word. The Word is always the filter and the standard by which we judge every word. Anytime someone tells you something, they may not come up to you and say, hey, I'm prophesying to you, but if they're telling you something, you judge it through the Word. If someone says, well, I'm a prophet, well, that's fine. I am a, I'm a scholar of the Word. You may be a prophet, but everything you say, I'm going to make sure it filters and it is in alignment, it's in agreement with God's written word. Because our prophecy is going to give away, signs and wonders will give away, even this, the people that speak in other tongues, that's going to give away, but the word of God will endure forever. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the word of God. And so when we're studying this and we're looking at this, one of the things we have to say is, what does the Spirit of God want to do in our life? And I believe one of the things the Spirit of God wants to do in our life is empower you in areas that you couldn't reach on your own, areas that you can't get on your own ability, your own talent, your own skills, your own intellect, your own knowledge, all of those things. God wants to lead you and take you into a new dimension of who he is and what he wants to do in your life. So Jesus, it's interesting because Jesus is speaking to the disciples in Acts chapter 1. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it's a classic verse here. He says, but you will receive what? Power. Who? The pastor will receive power. The evangelist will receive power. The missionary will receive. No, he says you. All of his disciples will receive power. Now this goes back to what I said from, from the book of uh, Numbers chapter 11. 
Because what happened with these 70 elders, they started prophesying, and there were two people that weren't with them. They were back at the camp. They were like, you know, they slept in and missed church that day, okay? And so they show up, and they start prophesying, and some of the, the people that were there, the 70, got upset, and they said to Moses, they said, hey, these, they, they didn't even show up to church. They stayed in their tents, and they started prophesying, Moses, you need to tell them to stop. And what Moses says is so cool. He says, I wish all the Lord's people would prophesy. You see, because it's not for the elite. It's not for those people that they're, they're, they're only like the people on TV. They're the ones that have it. But you and I, we're just, we're like second-class Christians. We, we don't have citizenship in the kingdom of heaven yet. And we don't have rights. Let me tell you, all of us are on the same level with the Lord. Every single one of us, God wants to impart beautiful gifts, skills, things that we could transform our lives, transform the lives of those around us. He wants to be people that influence our culture. He doesn't want us to be influenced by culture. He wants you to influence the culture that you're with. And one of the ways you do that is you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then, I love this translation, and you will be my witnesses in Morgan Hill and San Martin and Gilroy and California and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, when we are filled with the power of God, we naturally, supernaturally become witnesses for the Lord. The Lord gives you the power and the ability to communicate his goodness to people. You don't have to bash him with your Bible. You have to be filled with the Spirit, and the Spirit of God will transform you and, and, and change you into a person of love. You know, this interesting thing happened this last week where the school closed, it was closed, it finished for the year, I don't say closed, but finished the school year and they're cleaning up. And uh, one of the days, I don't remember what day of the week it was, I think it was Thursday, uh, there was a car parked out along the fence over here. And it was about 5.30, 6 o'clock and it was parked along the fence and there was two people in the car and you know, this is private property. So I walked out and Marcia and Rhonda were here and they were getting ready to leave and I walked out and we had two, uh, we had two uh, tetherball posts out in our back uh, parking lot. You know, Roman, you remember those? Yeah. We have one that's a little shorter, thank you. Um, he backed into it, so if you're parking on that side of the parking lot, don't back up without looking. You know, don't. And by the way, just I cut a foot off and it's perfect, so the little kids appreciate you. Uh, and so I went over and I pulled out the pole and laid it across the back and I walked over to the car and there was a, a Muslim woman, a Somalian woman actually, and her daughter in the car. And I said, oh, hi, how are you doing? You're really smart. You're parking in the shade. It's the only place in the whole parking lot that was shaded. And we started talking and I started talking and I, I asked her, I said, hi, did you have a good time praying during Ramadan? And she looked at me like, and I'm wearing a Crossroads Christian Center shirt with my name badge, Dr. David Willis, lead pastor or some of you call me lead pastor, and uh, I was up there, and I was talking to her, and we start chatting and stuff, and we start talking, and I tell her how, I, I said, now, wh which country are you from? And she goes, Somalia, did you ever hear of it? I said, oh, I love Somalian food. She goes, really? And we were talking back and forth, and we're talking about her kids, and her kids playing volleyball and stuff, and, and she says this to me. She goes, well, what days of the week are you here? And I said, I'm usually here. I'm not here on Monday. That's my day off, and sometimes I'm here on Saturday, but usually during the week, I'm here. She goes, I'm going to bring you some homemade Somalian food. I have the best. I've eaten at all these Somalian places in San Jose, and I've got the best. She goes, the only place that compares to it is a place I used to live at in, in Seattle, where I used to go. And I said, we used to live there. And she told me the name of the restaurant, and I had been there. You see, love, and when you're full of the Spirit, you can meet someone that you may religiously 
be in opposition to what they believe, but you can still love them with the love of the Lord. And there are benefits to that. I'm going to get some good Somalian cooking this week. <laughs> you know? And I didn't do that just to get, you know, I didn't think, wow, maybe if I'm nice, she'll cook me something, you know? <laughs> but, you know, when you're, when you're full of the Spirit of God, it affects people, and they know this. They know that you love them. You may disagree with them, but Christians, we're called to love people. We're not to hate people. We're not to be people that are bitter or angry or bashing someone else because they're from a different religion or a different lifestyle. We love them. Love covers what? A multitude of sins, including yours and mine. And what we do is we love people. And when you're full of the Spirit, there is a, a, a thing that happens. There's an empowerment that comes upon you. Acts chapter 2, what happened? It says in Acts chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost came, the day of Pentecost is, is 60 days from Easter, from the resurrection of Christ, okay? And so what happens is the believers were all together in one place, and suddenly the sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house they were sitting. And they saw tongues like fire that separated and came on the rest on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You know, wow, that's crazy, right? That doesn't happen today. Phoebe, Phoebe, you're my daughter, right? Didn't we take you to, to Sri Lanka? And we had her and one of our missionaries that we currently support that are, are going in, they were in Egypt and they're being moved to Lebanon. They were at a conference and all these people were asking questions and there were several hundred, maybe, a th I don't know how many women were there, maybe a thousand women. Uh, it was a, at a large church in Sri Lanka. And we had a Q&A time after we did a session, and all these people were saying, well, how do you get filled with the Spirit? How do you get filled with the Spirit? How do you get filled with the Spirit? And so we decided what we would do is anyone that wanted to know more about the filling of the Spirit, go downstairs, and Lacey and our daughter Phoebe would pray for you. And they're looking at us like, we don't speak Tamil. We don't speak Singalese. We, we, I'm not sure I even want to speak English right now because I don't, I'm so fearful. So we sent them down, and this church had a big opening, a stairwell, and all of these ladies went down, and Phoebe and Lacey went down. And I remember Lacey. She was, a, I think, a freshman or sophomore in high or college, and she looked up at me, and she goes like, she mouths, what do we do? And, you know, being someone that mentors her, I go, Pray. And then pray over them. Yeah. They read this scripture to them. Someone translated it in Singalese and then in Tamilese. And before they were done reading scripture, they started speaking in their heavenly language. Now, no one was there. Okay, say, come look at my Honda. Toyota's better than Subaru. No, no, there, you know, it was a supernatural thing. And God changed them. God transformed them. We had the same thing happen in Bangladesh. We had the same thing happen in India. We've had the same thing happen in all these ministry places we've done. You see, because God wants to pour out his spirit, not to make you weird, but to empower you so you have a connection with him. So you have a relationship with him. And I tell you, when we were in Bangladesh, we did a women's conference there. It was shortly after 9-11. And we had women that were praying, and, and we went to pray for them. And, 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 and they were standing there, and they were just dropping no one was touching them. No one was pushing them. The presence of God came into the room. And I remember standing in the back with one of our students that was with us. And he goes, I said, this is like crazy. They're, all, they're like dropping like logs. They're laying on each other. And, you know, in a, in a Muslim context, men never touch women. You just don't. And, he, and this young student says, well, pastor, what should we do? I said, I mean, God's doing it. We don't need to do anything. 
you know? And so when we think of this, the Holy Spirit comes, and sometimes we don't understand what is happening to a person when they're under the presence of the Lord like that. But you know what they do? And you may not understand what's happening in our, our finite, infinite brains. We may say, well, I know everything. I have a degree. I tell my wife all the time, I have a doctorate. And she goes, yeah, I have one too. I said, yeah, but I have mine first. She goes, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have had one. <laughs> Why'd I have to marry such a smart woman? You know? But people with advanced degrees, they're experts in one area. I had a, a man in one of our churches who had a PhD in the study of fungus on, on pistachios. Now, would I want him to do heart surgery on me? No. I mean, if I had a fungal infection, maybe, but not heart surgery, you know. When we think people with degrees, we think, you know, that's great. You have the capacity to study, but it doesn't mean you're an expert in everything. The beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is an excellent and, and, and excellent and an expert on everything about you. You know why? Because he knits you together in your mother's womb. Now, those of you that knit, you know you could look at something and, and you could see it and you go, oh, there's a flaw. When my mother used to knit and crochet, she'd look at something and she'd get like five or six rows down and she goes, oh, and she'd pull it all out. I'm like, mom, you could be done with it. That's like eighth or ninth time you've done it. She goes, no, one of those, one of those things is, is crooked. It's not in the right way. And I'm, I'm looking at them like, I'm OCD and I don't see it. You know, I have a real high scanning ability. I don't see it. But the one who knit it saw it. The one who knits you together in your mother's womb, he knows everything about you. He knows the areas that you lack power in. He knows the areas you need, you need help in. And so when I read this scripture, one of the things that happened with, with the outpouring, I, as I read it, I was sitting, I was thinking, what were the differences in the lives of the apostles? And I see three differences that they have. That was just my introduction, okay? Some of you go, yeah, right, I know. Three things I see. One, they were endued with supernatural wisdom. As a result of them experiencing the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, they had supernatural wisdom. The second thing they did, they received the Holy Spirit and fire. And then the third thing that they did, they experienced transformation of their minds. And I want to look at each of those. Because if you look at Scripture, one of the things that it talks about is that God wants to give his followers supernatural wisdom. There is wisdom, there's knowledge, there's things that you and I could learn. We could have a skill set about something. You know, you don't want me to come in and rewire your house. I could put light bulbs in, I could change uh, plugs, but you don't want me to run electrical conduit through your house unless you want to claim on your insurance, okay? But someone that's an electrician, they know how to do it. And if they've been doing it for years and years and years, they have an expertise that has been learned, they've been trained, and they've become an, a, a, an apprentice, a journeyman, a, a master electrician. They understand what it takes. Well, let me tell you something. God has wisdom supernaturally that he wants to give you. Wisdom that does not come uh, or, or is based upon human reasoning, but wisdom that comes from the creator who spoke the universe into existence. Wisdom that knit you together in your mother's womb. Wisdom that knows everything about you that maybe the rest of your family doesn't know about. If you're married, your spouse may not know about, but the Lord knows about it. And God wants to give you wisdom. How do I know that? Look at what Acts chapter 6 says. In Acts chapter 6 verse 3, listen to what the, the, the word of God declares over us. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them. This was one of the first 
uh, church business meetings in the early church, and there were problems going on, and the Spirit of God spoke to the apostles and said, you know what we need to do? We need to find people that are just not spirit-filled, but people that are wise. And you see, anytime someone tells you that they're full of the Spirit and they don't act in alignment with the Word of God, don't listen to them. The word is the thing that keeps us in agreement with God, and the wisdom, the, having the mind of Christ, that's literally what the word wisdom means. How many of you know someone by the name of Sophia? Sophia is the Greek word used here for wisdom. It means wisdom, insight, skill that is supernatural, that is, is transforming your intellect. The root word is, is we get from sophistication, comes from the Greek word Sophia. It's a word that talks to us about God coming in and transforming us, taking it just from knowledge of something to having insight and understanding and experience in that thing. You see, God wants to give you wisdom. I believe God wants to give you wisdom in raising your family, those of you that have families. God wants to give you wisdom in how to handle your business. God wants to, in your interpersonal skills with people. You know, I, I remember I, I, as a young parent saying, man, I have no, I, I, I've never had kids before. You know, I remember my parents, they had four, they had three that were messed up, and then they had one that was perfect, and they stopped. You know, and that was me, but, you know, that's just my thing, you know. I don't know any other babies of the family, but, you know, after they had all the mis misfits, they had you, and everything was perfect, you know. And I tell my mom, I used to joke with my mom, I said, man, I, you know, my, my brothers would do things, and my sister would do things, and, and they'd get in trouble, and I'd do it, and my mom wouldn't do it, anything. And I'm like, why? And my brother said I was, I was spoiled, and I said, no, it's because I was perfect. I think actually my mother was just, I've had it with four kids. I'm just done. You know, do what you want. You're, you're going to be an adult soon. It's going to be your own responsibility. But I remember as a young parent having children thinking, God, how do I do this? And God says, follow my ways. I'll teach you to be a good parent. You may make some mistakes, but I, I've got your children in, in the palm of my hand. But if you're surrendering your teaching of, of, of how you raise your children un, un, under the biblical authority and under scripture, I'll give you wisdom. And one of the greatest blessings you and I can have from God as a, as a follower of Christ is that we have Christ in us and the Holy Spirit in us, and he will, this is interesting, Jesus said he will give us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth. If you're lacking truth in an area, if you're lacking understanding in an area, if you're lacking a, 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 an ability to process something in your finite minds, ask the Lord to give you wisdom. Why? Because that's what Scripture says. If any of you lack wisdom, ask of God. Now, it doesn't say, if any of you lack theological wisdom or biblical wisdom or something churchy wisdom, ask God. He says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. I've had friends of mine that have asked the Lord to give them insight into their business, and they, they've come up with business plans and, and, and products that have transformed the industry that they're working in. And God can do that for them. God can do that for you. And I believe that if you're lacking wisdom, you just need to ask God. Ask him to give you wisdom. And where do you find wisdom? You find wisdom in the word of God. One of the best things you could do is you could discipline yourself as a man or woman of faith to spend time on a daily basis in the word. Why am I teaching this class on how to study the Bible? Because I want you as church members, and even if you're not a member of this church, you just attend here, you come here sporadically, I want you to be able to read the Word of God and understand it and apply it to your life. 
You know, one of the things that I've, I learned over all these years of, of being in teaching and education and training pastors and training people in, in leadership development is that the Holy Spirit has all knowledge and all understanding of every situation. And if you're in the Word, what happens is the Word gets in you, and then you start listening to the voice of the Spirit. And when you listen to the voice of the Spirit, sometimes, you know, we, we want God to speak in this booming like, hey, Rick, this is what I want you to do. But other times it's like, Robin, listen to my voice. Turn your ear to me. Shut everything else out. Be still and know that I'm your God. And I have you in the center of my hands. And I want to guide you and direct you and lead you. But you've got to stop listening to everything else. You've got to listen to my voice. In Colossians chapter 1, it says, For this reason, since the day you heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life. Listen to this. God wants to give you wisdom, supernatural wisdom, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God and being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. How many of you want that? Father, we just pray right now that, God, you would give us supernatural wisdom. Lord, that you'd give it in every discipline of our life, in every area of our life, in relationships that we have, in things that we don't even know what we're doing, Lord, that you will come in right now and you will give us supernatural wisdom. That, God, you will, you will bless your sons and daughters. Lord, we may not have any, any experience in a situation, but, God, we know you do. And, God, I pray you would speak to us as we're in surrender and submission and alignment to you in these areas. Amen. Now, let me tell you what God's going to do. God's going to do it. Why? Because look at what James chapter 1, verse 5 says. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, who should you ask? You should Google it. You know? No, you ask the Lord. Who gives how? Generously. You see, the Lord wants to pour out. God just doesn't give you enough. God gives you more than enough. God can do exceedingly abundantly above what you imagine or ask. So if you ask for wisdom, why would he just give you a, a, a pinch? Why wouldn't he give you an overflow? You know, because he wants to generously pour out without finding fault, it will be given to you. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad the Lord is so good to you that he loves you and he'll give you supernatural wisdom? Second thing he wants to do, and, and this is interesting, he says the disciples, they would receive the Holy Spirit in fire. And, you know, this is sometimes, you know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit in church, sometimes people think like the Holy Spirit's like this thug about to beat them up. It's like, I, you know, I can't trust a part of the Godhead. I can't trust the thing that Jesus said he would send because he was going to be away from us. So, you know, the Holy Spirit, man, I, I, in, in 1967, I had a bad experience, you know. I had this person in church do this to me, and, you know, well, how many of you have ever been food poisoned? Did it cause you to stop eating? Obviously not, you know. Sure, things happened to us where people didn't know, and maybe they were doing it to the best of their understanding. But you know what? That's why it's important for you and I to always judge anything someone says to us. I tell this all the time to people. As your pastor, if I ever preach something and, and it doesn't set with you, you get in the Word, find out what the Word says, and if you find something that's contrary to what I've said, let's sit down and talk. 
And let's, let's understand where it's at. I want us to be word-based. I want us to be a church that is full of respect and honor and dignity for God's word because it's the word of God that will transform us. And the apostles, listen to what it says in Matthew, Matthew chapter 3. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I will baptize you, with, or John the Baptist speaking, rather. Uh, I will baptize you with water uh, for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, those of you that have been around this church, you know I love fire. You know, I, there's something about fire. We'll go to our, our staff retreat at the end of the June every year. We have a planning for the whole year for our church, and we, we get a, a little place, and we always have a, a campfire. And I'll just sit out at night and watch it. And I'll, just, I'll, I'll, I'll say, hey, let's make s'mores, not for the fact that I like s'mores, but I like to just watch the fire. It's just something intriguing about it. It's so beautiful. And, and, and the word that's used here for fire is the word pur, P-U-R. It's, it's, a, it's a, a, a Greek word that's used to define the fire and presence of God coming down. And what does the fire and presence of God do? It creates in us passion. It creates in us a spirit of purity. You know, fire burns off things that aren't good. You know, when there's a fire up in the mountains, what happens after the fire? New life. A lot of times there's things in your life and my life that the Spirit of God has to burn out because we've, we've crowded out the presence of God so much by all these things we have. We need to have a spring fire sale. We need to have a spring cleaning. We need to have something where the Spirit of God comes in and separates things so that we make room for the Lord to speak to us. I don't know about you, but when I'm, you, ever, you ever sit in a car where like, there's so many people you can't move? When we lived in India, we had a little... Uh, uh, Mitsubishi, or a little uh, uh, Suzuki. Suzuki Maruti was what it was. It was this little tiny car, and it was two small seats in the front, and two, maybe if you sat this way, three in the back. Well, one thing you need to know about other cultures is they don't have seatbelt laws, okay? Uh, the only place you need to have a seatbelt is in the driver's seat in India. And we had, at one time, we had like, I think, seven or eight people in the car, and we were stuffed in, and it was like, do you know when your legs are contorted in a certain way that you stop feeling them? That's the way it was. And I remember getting out of the car, and like the door opened, and they said, you can get out, and it's like, I can't. <laughs> you know? And it, we were so packed in, and we couldn't, and you couldn't function properly as a result of it. Well, you know, the same thing is when you have so much junk in your life that the Spirit of God doesn't have the ability to roam through. And look like Thomas's English muffins or all the nooks and crannies of your life. God wants to come in and see things in your life. You need to make room for him. Because one of the things that happens is when you study this word pure, pur, it talks about fire transforms us. Fire comes into our life in a way that transforms who we are. So how do you, how do you allow fire to come into your life? You have to make time to be with the Lord. You have to give the Lord opportunity to search you. Give the Lord opportunity to look at your life. Give the Lord opportunity to say, Lord, come in, transform my mind. I don't know about you, but man, I get bombarded with stuff all the time. You know, I have, I have, uh, I think I have five email addresses. I have two from the church. I have a personal one. I have one I use for any type of uh, online shopping, and then I have one for spam. And you know what's amazing? My spam email now is transferred over into my church one. Do you know 
I got an offer this week for $57 million for the church. All I had to do was give him my bank account information, and I was thinking, praise the Lord, our days of worry are over. No more taking tithes and offerings. I'm just going to connect our bank account with this guy in Nigeria, and we're going to be set. You know? And then the Social Security Administration called me, and my, my number's been deactivated. So I gave it to them on the phone, and everything's fine. I mean, we have so many scams coming in. And one of the things we have to do is we have to have discernment. This is where godly wisdom comes in. Because godly wisdom coupled with the fire of God purifies all that stuff that comes into your life that distorts the view of what Scripture is and who God is and also who you are. If, if you and I would walk in the knowledge and understanding of who God created us and in the manner in which he wants us to live, every single one of us would be a different person in here. And that happens when we experience the fire and the presence of the Lord. Third and final thing is they experienced a transformation of their mind. And this is, I think, one of the biggest challenges you and I have to face. The battleground for most people isn't in other things. It's in our mind. That's why the Apostle Paul, that's why Jesus talks so much about the mind because there, is, there has to be a transformation. There has to be a transformation in your mind to, to have the mind of Christ, to be, to, to be able to, to battle the arguments and the philosophies of the world that stand in complete opposition to the written word of God. And one of the things that happens when there's a transformation in our mind, it's interesting because the definition of the word transformation that's used in the biblical text is, is actually it talks about a, a reprogramming of the DNA structure of the person. Okay? So what happens when there is a DNA restructuring? The person may be the same, but in the same process there's a difference. That's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it talks to us, and you know, Romans 12, 1 talks about, you know, uh, the whole process of surrendering unto the Lord. Look what Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says. And it says, and do not be conformed, or actually it means pressed or like pushed into a mold of this world, but be transformed. The word that's used there is the Greek word metamorphe. It's where we get a metamorphosis. It's like a, a caterpillar going in to a cocoon and coming out as a butterfly. It's like a, a person that doesn't have wisdom going into the presence of the Lord and all of a sudden gaining wisdom. It's a person that used to be rebellious to God, all of a sudden going into the presence of the Lord and coming out changed. It's a husband that maybe was into pornography and into sexual addiction, going into the presence of the Lord and being set free, and now has pure mind. It's, it's a person that may be a shopaholic that spends all their money and is, is devastating their family, being in the presence of the Lord, and then all of a sudden now they realize they need to be good stewards. You see, when we go into the presence of the Lord, there is a transformation that happens. And God wants to transform your DNA from a natural DNA to a supernatural DNA. And that supernatural transformation comes because there is an opportunity to be in the presence of the Lord, and it changes you. You cannot, let me tell you this, you cannot be in the presence of the Lord and walk away the same. If you are truly a spiritual person, you will never control the Holy Spirit. I always tell this people, if you, you want to use a litmus test to find out if a person is spiritual, a spiritual person never controls the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always controls a spiritual person. 
there's a big difference. You see, a lot of churches, they want to control the Holy Spirit. Well, we do it this way and only this way, and you can't do it this way. You know what? God's Holy Spirit is a wild stallion. He is not domesticated. The Holy Spirit is not domesticated because we live in a culture that is so far gone. The Spirit of God needs to be wild, and He needs to be something that transforms you. Doesn't mean you're weird, but He has full and complete control of every area of our life. And if there's any little cupboard that's back there, any little area that you're, you know, you, Lord, you can have this whole area of my life except that closet. You see, in that closet, that's where I keep all my stuff no one knows about. And that, that door, it's locked all the time. I am the only one. I control the keys. Lord. See, if he's Lord, he controls everything. You know, you, when you have a relationship with the Lord, it's just not fire insurance. It's dominion over your life. And if you're transformed, if there's that metamorphosis, part of the process of the metamorphosis is the renewing of the mind. Let me tell you, I've been doing this for 35 years. Man, there's nothing you can tell me I haven't heard. There's no thing. I, I have, I've had people confess to me they've murdered people. I've had people confess to me they've done horrible things to their children. I've had people tell me they've embezzled and they've stolen and they've pillaged people. I, I, nothing shocks me anymore. You know why? Because the heart is exceedingly wicked above all things. And a heart that is not surrendered to the Lord and a mind that is not transformed, when those two things come together, it doesn't shock me at all what kind of evil can happen. But I tell you, a mind that is transformed and a life that is surrendered to the Lord, it's amazing what God can do. And this text says this, and he says, and then, then, if you have a transformation happen, you're not conformed to this world, there's a transformation in you, there's a renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. That's probably, if, if I had a dollar for every time someone asked me what was God's will for their life, I would not just pave the parking lot, by the way, praise the Lord, we're doing that for cash. I would pave the street in front of us and put speed bumps in it. And I'd have the money to do it. Because everyone wants to know what the will of the Lord is for their life. You want to know what the will of the Lord is for your life? That you're transformed and you're renewed and you're following him and you're surrendered to him and you're walking in his wisdom. And, and people may look at you, and this is one of the things I get all the time. As a, once people find out I'm a pastor, they'll mock me. They'll tell jokes about me. They'll, I'll, I'll wait. They'll, uh, sometimes I hear them talking behind my back. Sometimes I feel them give me a hug, see if they stick a knife to, you know, backstab you, you know. But when they go through a situation they don't have control over or they don't need, guess who they come talking to? That spiritual person. You, the person they make fun of in the office, they make fun of you at school, they make fun of you on the job. But when they're going through something, they'll just cozy up next to you and say, hey, uh, can you say, say something to the man upstairs? Hey, our family's going through a situation. Could you think of my kids? Because they need someone that is connected this way, even though they've severed every relationship this way with you. And I tell you what, God wants to transform you. He wants, he, he, he actually, it's interesting because the word here that's used for uh, transformation is only used four times in the New Testament. It's used here, and then it's used twice for Jesus when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, and it's also used one other place where it talks about all of his disciples being transfigured. You see, surrender to the Holy Spirit will transform you in areas you didn't know possible. So I want to stop there. Worship team, you want to come up? I, I want to pray on this, this, this day 
you know, I know we, we all come from different backgrounds, from church and different experiences, and some of us are very comfortable with when we talk about the Holy Spirit, and some of us get a little bit weirded out. I know that. But I want to tell you something. You don't need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to, to uh, you know, if you're a calm, mellow person that's quiet and doesn't like to be out in public, you know, the Holy Spirit's not going to transform you. He may ask you to do things that are a little bit outside your comfort zone, but you're not going to be this radically different person. Now, if you're boisterous and loud and crazy and you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're still going to be. You're just going to be like a little bit more loud and crazy and talk about the Holy Spirit. And hopefully the Holy Spirit will get hold of your heart and bring in alignment so you're not freaking everyone out, you know? But here's what I want to do. I want to pray that we open our hearts up to become the man and woman that God has called us to be in alignment with His Spirit. Not what our friends may say, not what our family may say, those of you that are married, not what your spouse may say, those of you that are kids, not what your parents say, but you and I would listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and we would surrender to that. Because here's the thing I want to tell you. God's plan, when He sent the Holy Spirit to His disciples, was to empower them to give them divine wisdom, to transform their lives, and to lead them into an area where they could not go by themselves. Some of us are facing situations that we don't know how to deal with them, but thank God you've got a counselor. That's literally what the word used for the Holy Spirit is, is that He is your counselor. He's your parakletos is the word in the Greek. He is the one that walks alongside of you, and it says He's closer than a brother. He's one that's so tight to you. You know why? Because his DNA is in you. And the spiritual DNA that he wants to infuse in you, some of us, we aren't full of his DNA yet. You know? We're, we've had things in our life that have drained some of the presence of the Lord out. But the thing that God wants to do is he wants to infill you. And know this. His plans are always good. His plans are never to harm you. He doesn't want to make you weird. He doesn't want to make you strange. He doesn't want to make you do crazy stuff. But he, his plans are never to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a future, and to give you a hope. Father, right now we just pray. Lord, I don't, I don't know where each and every one of us are, but on this day that we dedicate in the church calendar to Pentecost Sunday, I pray that, God, you would just fill each and every one of us anew. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would get into areas in our lives that we may have fear, we may have insecurity, we may have control issues. That, God, we need to surrender to you. Lord, some of us have cares that we're carrying that are burdening us down. And, Lord, your word says, cast your cares upon you because you care for us. Lord, I pray that you would fill us to overflowing. I pray that, God, our minds would be transformed as we're in the Word. I pray that, God, some of us would have our, our physical appetite restrained so our spiritual appetite could expand. I pray that, God, for some of us, we, we say that we don't have enough time to, to read the Word of God every day, but we can watch television for four and a half or five hours a day. I pray that, God, we would be able to have our, our time with you carved out in such a way that it changes us and transforms us. I pray that Romans chapter 12, verse 2 would not just be some quippy little verse we quote but never live or never experience. 
And I pray that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would come into each of our lives in a beautiful way. I pray, God, that there would be a newness in our lives. I pray that, God, you would create margin and create capacity in us to experience you in ways we never have before. And, Lord, I pray this because, Lord, I pray like you've made each and every one of us unique. That, God, you would do in our life something special and unique only to us. The end result may be the same as the person we're sitting next to or in front of or behind. But, God, you're, it's, you're, you're customizing your filling of us in a unique way. And I pray, God, that there'd be no fear because fear does not come from you, Lord. Fear comes from the enemy. But you give a peace that passes all understanding. You give a peace not as the world gives, but only as you give. And Lord, I pray you would guard, Lord, that you would protect, that you would insulate both our hearts and our minds. That, God, we would be able to walk in a new experience with you because of your goodness because of your mercy, because of your loving kindness, and because of the outpouring of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here's the way I want to close service. I've got some anointing oil. Oh, you do too. My wife's bottle's a little fancier. She bought this in Jerusalem. It's what? This is Elijah oil. This is Uh, King David oil. No, I think it's frankincense, actually. Uh, But I want us to come up, and as the worship team concludes, I just want to anoint you with oil. You know, we we have a friend of ours that's a pastor in Georgia that while we were in India, he had a pretty powerful encounter. The Lord was using him to do some great things. And he was from a, a religious tradition that that's not normal for what he's experienced. And one of the things he asked me while we were driving in the bus is he says, what's it with you Pentecostal people in oil? He goes, because I know the Bible says he went to Dallas Theological Seminary. And he says, I'm a Southern Baptist. And I know James says, if you anoint with oil, the prayer will raise up the sick. But he goes, you're praying for people and anointing them with oil that they're not sick. And I said, well, oil represents the Holy Spirit. And they may not be sick by your eyes, but there may be some things in their life that they need healing from the Lord. And so I took out actually a bottle just like this and put it in his hand and said, when you go back to your church, I want you to start praying for people and releasing the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do is I just want to have Pastor Lynn and I come up, and if you want to be anointed in well, I just want you to come up and we're going to pray for you. I don't know if you want to say something before. Why don't we all stand? Prayer teams, if you can come and be available too. Um, If you uh, would like to have more extended prayer after we anoint you with oil, go ahead and uh, have the team. They'll pray with you and uh, give you more extended time if you have some things that you want to get prayed with. The day of Pentecost affected the entire church, even to this day, even if people don't consider themselves Pentecostal. The day of Pentecost launched the church. Catholics, Southern Baptist, Mennonite, the day of Pentecost launched the church. And we still believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We still believe what the Word of God says. 
And today we are celebrating the day of Pentecost, 50 days from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are celebrating that day. And that's what we're doing. We're saying, Lord, I want to be like the disciples in their day. I want to do what they did in their day. I want to transform culture like they did in their day. That's what we're saying. That's what you're coming up and being anointed about and saying, you know what? I believe the same power that was upon them is upon my life in 2019. That's what we're saying. That's what we're declaring. That's what we're believing. And the truth is, the truth is, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he wants you to walk in that power today. So Pastor Dave and I are going to anoint. And as you... Uh, receive that. You can spend some time in prayer. You can go back to your seat and spend time in the prayer. Or if you need to leave, you are free to go. So just organizationally, so you're not bumping into each other. If I'll stand over on this aisle, Lynn will stand over here. If you're in this section, we'll just walk out here and then you can all go out through the center aisle or you can go out around the uh, side. And if you don't want to be oiled, uh, oiled. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't want to get anointed with oil, God bless you. Uh, I think uh, Pam, uh, Sandra has a can of Pam in the park in the foyer, and she'll spray you as you go out, okay? Amen. Rebecca.